Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another edition of Spilling the Tea on GovCon. I'm Teresa Moon, Director of Business Development for Parabolus. We provide a better financial partnership for government contractors that includes a line of credit to fund your growth. The purpose of this podcast is to assist small businesses with success in the federal marketplace by introducing them to industry experts and resources that they may not otherwise know about. Today's guest has some fascinating insights on the future of engagement with the federal government and procurement. He's the president at Trenchant Analytics, LLC, and co-founder of UseRogue.com. A warm welcome to John Ferry. Hey, thanks, Teresa. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Um, you know, two things. I have seen you on podcasts and speaking engagements quite frequently lately. So I've been listening in and learning a lot from you. And what I recognized is that your expertise is something that we've never covered on this show. So when I reached out, it was for the purpose to find out when I could get you on as soon as possible so that you can share with our network what you're doing and how what an artificial intelligence can do to assist them. So if you wouldn't mind, if you could share some information about yourself and your background and experience in government contracting and you know how you got into this industry. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. Uh, so kind of myself in a thumbnail sketch, um, I started out actually military. So I was a special forces operator. I graduated as a, a Green Beret many moons ago. I came back to the DC metro area and I got into government contracting because kind of the family business and it's, you know, the available jobs in this area. Um, but as a a uh, special operations person, a little bit um, non-traditional, I actually got into acquisition. So I started doing um, acquisition management early in my career. I then did like five years in the Pentagon doing planning, programming, budgeting, execution. And then from there, I actually moved over to support as a contractor, uh, the Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency, specifically focused on technology transition. So getting things out of the DARPA labs and into operational hands. And that's where a lot of my military background really came into play. But across that sort of career arc, I had the benefit of seeing how different segments of the government work, how the different uh, you know, mechanisms of the bureaucratic processes work, whether it's budgeting or contracting. Um, and then at DARPA, you know, anybody who hasn't heard of DARPA, invented the internet kind of claim to fame, but they still do a lot of the most groundbreaking and forward leaning artificial intelligence research, particularly uh, that is relevant to the you know, public sector. Mm -hmm. And so getting a, a sort of a steeping in that culture and really what the realm of the possible is on the cutting edge of AI is what helped me in sort of my current endeavors in applying those in practical ways to current chronic challenges that we all face in this sort of public sector market. That's awesome because I mean, there's a, a common motto in government contracting to hurry up and slow down, right? <laughs> it's like, hurry up and give me your proposal. However, we're gonna postpone the award process for six months past what we told you the deadline was gonna be. So there's so much buzz around just the expediting of the process and the making it more um, automated so that it makes it easier for people not only to engage with the process, but have a timeline that is easier to, to maintain. Yep. And so that's why I think that this is a, a great topic for us to talk about. And so specifically as it pertains to your specialization in artificial intelligence, um, you know, how is that 
moving in. We've, we've seen a little bit with GSA utilizing AI. I'm not sure how well that's working out for them. We have not seen any of the output of data from that. But, um, you know, what's your experience been now being on the inside of it and the incorporation of AI into government contracting and procurement? I'm actually impressed, to be honest with you. Um, you know, I think contracting officers and acquisition professionals, they get beat up a lot, right? Like whether their pulse is too long or to your point, right? Like, oh, you said the RFP was going to be dropped on X date and here it is six months later and we still haven't seen it. You know, God bless contracting officers and God bless program managers. <laughs> you can't get anything done without them. And they are chronically like the, the beat up person because they're, they're the linchpin in the middle. Mm -hmm. uh, and so with that, you know, my bias is and kind of going along with that persona, like, oh, they're so slow. Oh, they're so bureaucratic. They're so pedantic about all the little rules. Oh, they never release RFPs on time. They never make the awards on time. You, you get this impression that they're slow or that they're plotting, right? But they are, and, and I've had the opportunity to engage with a lot of these folks because of the work that we're doing in this space. They have a, a hunger and they are very open to innovation in this space. They're very interested in applying artificial intelligence because they live this problem every day. And it's, it's interesting, you know, to be candid, there are many problem sets that AI is not ideal for, right? Critical thinking, chain of thought. Um, it can do some limited creative stuff, but if you really wanted to do, you know, second, third, fourth order effects, the kind of critical thought processes and imagining that humans are good at, it's not there yet, right? We're not at general purpose intelligence, but what AI is very good at and has been for quite a while is structured processes, consistently executed process flows. Um, and so, you know, contracting officers, I think, you know, innately understand that a lot of what they do is structured, right? RFPs are structured, proposals are structured, clauses are structured. And it has only been recently that the technology has caught up to the point where we can really implement them in practical ways to start accelerating those processes. Mm -hmm. And so, I've talked to a lot of folks, not just in the Defense Department, but in the other government agencies who are really moving forward and leaning forward to, you know, level up their platforms that they're using so that they can take these new capabilities in and start using them in their processes because they, you know, the number of contracting officers is not necessarily growing. If anything, it's going down. Right. The federal government budget is going up. So if you think about that, There's like more, right, there's a Delta problem there. Uh-huh. So they know they need to do this stuff faster and they, they're frankly tired of getting beat up. Mm -hmm. So there's a, a much greater openness to adopting these technologies than I expected. And I, I'm actually really encouraged by where we're going to see it go in the next 24 months. Right. And I think just from a data sifting process in and of itself, um, I have zero technical proficiencies in anything let alone in, in AI. I have limited interaction with it just through different organizations that I belong to and, and meeting with business owners who have done it for maybe an enterprise corporation and now have broken off and are doing it on their own and trying to incorporate it in some processes for different government agencies. So to your point, you know, there's the staff amounts are lower per government agency. So the sifting through of data just by humans is slowed down by 
by means of not having enough people to look at it. You know, I was at an event last week uh, for the SBA and women owned small businesses, and they're doing all this overhauling of the certification process. And there's seven people for the SBA that are overseeing the intake of all the certifications for every WOSB that's coming in throughout the country. Right. It's not their fault. It's just it, they don't have the money to, to get more people in that seat to do it. So this could eliminate a lot, to your point, of the slowdown of the process because there's just not enough manpower behind it to actually make it happen. And I, I love that. I love being able to utilize the technologies that, number one, I'm a small business advocate. A lot of small businesses are incorporating this either as their practice that they can provide or in their practice. So there's a lot of case studies that they can be shared that it works. I think, um, you know, there is a lot to be said for being able to speed up the process so that that money that's being allocated for contracts can be doled out faster, right? Right. Um, I think, you know, a little bit, though, of what we see, you know, in the public and the private sector, and I think with your expertise, you could probably lean into it a little bit. There's a lot of misconception about AI, right? Movies have been coming out since the you know early 90s that are portraying it as a negative and not a positive. And there, and there are things that far outreach what the practices are actually being implemented right now, right? We're not talking about computers taking over for the entirety of the human practice. We're talking about you know, simple practices that can be expedited because of the incorporation of it. So if you wouldn't mind talking a little bit about some of the misconceptions, if you will, about AI and some of the ways that um, not only is it going to make it more accessible and more expeditious, but how we keep everything safe too, because that is a lot of why technologies don't necessarily get on the fast track to implementation, especially with DOD, because we've got to be careful about how things are, the safety of it is being maintained. I mean, we've seen with cybersecurity alone, CMMC is a necessity, but the implementation of it is taking forever, right? right? The imminence of it is clear, but it hasn't been put into practice. And I I feel like something like that is going to set a precedent for a lot of different things that we're doing, and it'll allow for other technologies to be brought in. So I know I've asked a lot, right, in that little Right. Snippet right there. But, you know, if you could just relay based off of your expertise to put people's mind at ease about the safety and security that is behind the technology of AI. Yeah. So let me let me parse that a couple of ways. So, number one, you are absolutely right. There is so much noise right now. And there are a lot of people putting noise in the system. So if you just talk from the pro and con, right? There are a lot of folks that are saying, oh, you know, we need to bring AI in, we need to do it faster. Uh, and there is as many, if not more folks saying, whoa, 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 we need to slow down, right? You can talk about the the open letter that was, you know, signed by everybody, including Elon Musk about pausing. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can talk about the, the tech stars who are, you know, at the White House saying that they're gonna watermark generated content, those types of things. Let's be very clear. There, are, like I said earlier, there are things that AI can do very well. Let's not oversell it. Okay. And there's a lot of incentive right now to slap an AI sticker, just like five years ago, slapping a big data sticker on everything. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, let's be very practical about what it can and can't do and be critical. Right. You got to have some critical thinking. If it sounds too good to be true, <laughs> it probably is. And if it sounds too doom and gloom, It probably is. Mm -hmm. Uh, Just as an anecdote, anytime I hear a capitalist, right, even if it's from Silicon Valley, 
asking for the government to regulate their industry, you have to wonder why, right? Yeah. <laughs> if they're, mm -hmm. Whether or not they're trying to get some form of regulatory capture to, to hold off the open source market. So you have to take everything with a grain of salt, particularly right now when the, the hype is so big on both sides. Mm -hmm. There's good things AI can do. Like, and so what we need to do as humans is look at what it really can do. And let's start thinking critically about like, okay, what are the tasks it's actually going to be good at? Very, and the, the highest leverage tasks, I think to your point, the places where we're going to get the most immediate value are those things that are painful and repetitive, but incredibly unnecessary, right? Like mm -hmm. the proposal process. Every time an RFP drops, you have to open up the RFP, read the whole thing, pull out sections L and M, pull out section C, build out your templates, you know, structure all those things, pull out all the shells. Like these things are not critical thinking. These things are are rote. I will do A, B, C, D, E, F, G so that mm -hmm. I can then get to the critical thinking. If you're on the government side, it's exactly the same thing. I have to build out my solicitation. I have to make sure all my clauses are in there. I have to make sure all this tracing, right? Not the critical thinking, not the things that humans are the like the best at, which is the right. critical thinking and the the like creative thinking. Like let's offload that painful, like low level task to the AI, right? That's not stealing our job. Right. That's taking our job that we hate doing and put off as much as possible. Yep. We're going to offload that on the robot, right? Let's let's let them do that. And that's going to free us up to do things that we wish we could do if we weren't spending so much time doing the manual rope stuff, right? Yep. I want to think harder about whether or not I've crafted my technical approach and my proposal better, right? Mm -hmm. I want an extra week to do that because I got to red team faster. Right. right. I want more time to have industry come in for industry days or um, or oral presentations for my solicitation because I got my proposal out or my solicitation out faster and I got my source selection done faster because I yeah. wasn't doing all the rote work. Those are the kinds of things. Those are the right now. Those are the big opportunity spaces. And to your question about security and whatnot. You have to be careful, right? Everybody, well, if you haven't seen the the snafu with the Samsung employees who use chat GPT for something and inadvertently divulge proprietary information, like be smart, right? Mm -hmm. Be aware of what the technologies are that you're using. By the way, the same thing goes for using Google, right? Google records everything you put into the search bar. So yeah. this is not a new thing. We've been, you know, paying Silicon Valley with our data for two decades now, just be aware. Um, but, you know, start using things pragmatically and don't don't shirk the security restrictions you have just because there's a new toy out there. Um, CMMC, right, having things in GCC low or GCC high or on FedRAMP, like these are going to slow some things down. But fortunately, folks like Microsoft and OpenAI are already you know, getting up to pace. You know, yeah. very recently Microsoft published that they have an approach to offer open AI APIs on, you know, IL5, impact level five, at, you know, the CUI level for government. It's already available in FedRAMP. Mm -hmm. We're already building our systems um, on both the acquisition side and on the industry proposal side so that they can handle CUI, right? But to your point, 
we as industry, we as the folks who want to be able to implement these tools or even government, right? We need to look at what is going to be required and be proactive about it, right? right. We, can't, we can't have somebody come in after us and be like, oh, no, no, you can't use OpenAI because it's not CUI capable. Like, let's think about what we need to do in order to be able to use these technologies and be proactive about satisfying those requirements. Right. Sounds Oh, absolutely. And I mean, I think what's going to really resonate, even with the people with the least amount of knowledge about the whole technology itself, is the fact that the BD process slowed down is costing money. It's not revenue generating unless you win the award. So if you're having to spend so much time sifting through those parts, that isn't a part of the practicality of what you are providing to the end user, to the mission itself, then that time spent is costing money that's gone nowhere. And I think a lot of people complain about that. There's a lot that goes into the conversation about engaging an RFI and is it is it necessary because it costs you money and it doesn't necessarily turn into anything. And there would be a level of engagement step up if you had things that would minimize the amount of time that was spent for that BD and capture team doing things like that. If there were things that the robot could do for you that would allow you to continuously engage and sift through the information and focus on the things that actually make you the money. So I, I think you brilliantly laid out what is appropriate for the smaller businesses that are coming in to potentially be able to engage at it. Because I think a lot of people might think, oh, I'm so small. I don't need to do stuff like that. But you still have a BD team that you're paying. And if they're worth their lot, you're paying them a good buck to yep. go through and do it properly. And it, and if they're taking their time and doing it, that could be time and money spent that goes nowhere. So yep. I think you laid it out great. Actually, on that note, if, if I could, the interesting thing that we're seeing on the industry side is the smaller companies are going to adopt this faster, ironically, because they don't have the, the, the luxury of massive BD shops, right? They can't mm-hmm. throw bodies at the problem and, and wrap that up in their BNP rates. They just, they can't because right. it's, it's not an entire shop. It's, you know, Jim and Sally, right? Mm-hmm. That's what I have. Yep. Uh, and to your point earlier, you know, the way to look at this is, yes, you have to write the proposal, but that's the end. Yep. That is the last shot you have the last step in selling yourself to the government. Right. Anyone who's been in this game long enough, and I'm sure you, you, you know, you tell this to your audience, if you haven't responded to the RFI, why are you going to bother with an RFP? Mm-hmm. Why are you going to respond to it? Because the government probably isn't going to read your proposal at that point. If you yeah. didn't bother to respond to their RFI from their perspective, you don't know them enough or you didn't care enough to talk to them. So mm-hmm. you need to respond to probably 10 times as many RFIs as you do RFPs. Okay, well, if you're going to respond to an RFI, you probably want to have talked to that customer before the RFI drops, right? That's the capture portion. Mm -hmm. And so if you look at this as a traditional sales funnel, I need to talk to 10 times as many customers as I respond to RFIs, and I need to respond to 10 times as many RFIs as I respond to RFPs. So if you just do the math there for a small company, it becomes an untenable equation, right? Like I just don't have enough people to go out and do all the industry days and go to all the conferences because those same people have to be locked in a room responding to 10 RFIs. Mm -hmm. That's where AI comes in, right? If I can whip out 10 RFI responses in the same amount of time it used to take me to whip out one, then I can level up my game logarithmically. And that's how small business is going to win. And small business is going to adopt it faster because they're not worried about 
oh, well, I have to run this through legal before we decide to buy or, you know, well, we're going to want to do an enterprise buy. So we have to put into, well, you know, our small business presidents are like, you know, I've, I've got, uh, I've got my NAICS code that I'm going to best here in about 24 months. I need to level up my proposal game. We're buying this now. And I'm actually going to reorganize my proposal shop to optimize for using AI so mm-hmm. that I can level up my game while the big folks are still deciding whether or not they want to go down this road. Right. So actually encouraged from a small business perspective, that this is going to be a huge force multiplier for the small business community. Which is great because we need more of them engaging. We see the depletion of that year after year after year. So with that in mind, why don't you, um, you know, drop some insight about userogue.com and how that can be applied potentially for some of the listeners that are, are watching us today. Yeah, sure. No, so not to over sales pitch it, but like, we saw, you know, my background, I know what AI can do, right? AI is very good at reading a solicitation, pulling out shell statements. It's kind of a straightforward thing. It's been around for a while. There's tools that do that. But just imagine this. I have an RFP. I upload that into Rogue. It parses through, finds all the shell statements. That's so great. Uh, but it also finds sections L&M, builds that out into my initial templates. And then like two button clicks later, I have all of my volumes initially outlined with relevant generated content that is generated not off of the general GPT, right? not off of the open internet, but it's actually indexed off of my content. So my past proposals, my monthly status reports, my RFI responses, all that stuff, all that, that content, that source material sits in a sump. Of, of source content. And the AI essentially says, hey, this is what the government's asking for. Here is a relevant place where we've written about doing that before. You know, here's a management approach for IT services. It harvests that old content and uses it to generate new relevant contextual content in the context of that new proposal. So those like manual things where you had to go into your old like document library and control F to find management volume plus IT services and then try to pull it out and reword it for today I'm proposing to the Marine Corps and last week I was proposing the Army. The AI right. just does that, right? And it refactors it and it writes it in your voice and it talks about your company. So you don't have to do that manual stuff. You can just focus on What's my actual technical approach? How am I going to optimize this proposal to this particular customer based off of the market research I've done? So it allows you to focus on the high quality human tasks and just offload all that ash and trash work to the AI. Yep. And that's, that's the way awesome. we built it. It's not just a GPT for proposal, right? Like we actually don't like chat interfaces. It's, it's literally built around the process of writing proposals and, and optimized for that task. How amazing. And so I'm sure people's hair are on fire right now. What's the best way for people who are listening to engage with you to, to get started with, with Rogue? Yeah, just go to userogue.com, click sign up. Um, we require everyone who wants to get on the platform to go through a 30-minute onboarding. It's $20 for a seven-day trial. So you can kind of kick the tires, see if you like it. If you do, you stay on. If you don't, no harm, no foul, um, you know, no obligation. We do it either annually or monthly subscriptions. So we don't try to lock folks into long-term contracts. Um, You know, it's up to you. So yeah, hit the uh, URL and we look forward to talking to anybody who's interested. That's awesome. And I got to believe that you're traveling the circuit to get the word out about Rogue. Um, Any upcoming conferences in the next six months that you're going to be at that people can find you to? 
Yeah, so I just did the National Contract Managers Association World Congress last week. Great place to be. <laughs> Not bad. It was a good. It was a great time. Um, so I I volunteered to do a follow up to my seminar there. It's going to be online through NCMA. I think the third week of August. So I'd look there. That's mm -hmm. my next big thing. Um, we'll be at AUSA, just kind of working the show. The yeah. other thing I would put out is we actually started a. Um, a GPT for GovCon masterclass. So if you go to userogue.com and go to our blog, it is completely no obligation. You don't have to put in an email address. It is not a sales funnel. It is just trying to share our expertise in how to use the openly available AI tools for the purpose of government contracting. So if you're interested in getting into AI, but maybe you don't have the money to spend on Rogue, just take a look at the masterclass, join the group in LinkedIn and start using these tools for your purposes. That's the awesome. other thing I would offer. Well, we'll share, um, we'll share that out so you and I can chat after this and you give me that information and I'll post it out on my LinkedIn. Majority of the people that are watching this are connected with me. So that'll be a quick way for them to get engaged with you guys, get more familiar with you and Rogue, and then hopefully open people's eyes up to, to something that can allow them to you know work smart, not hard. Um, right. I think that that's what all of us want, right? In the Amen. long run. Well, this has been awesome. I mean, I... Um, I wish we could talk about it more because I was really um, not intimidated because I love learning new things, but I thought, what the heck am I going to add to this conversation other than leading you down the, the rabbit hole of the questions that I had for you? And you did a great job of, of unfolding it. So it makes sense to everyone. And I think that's so important for engagement with small businesses is they need to be, be able to feel comfortable with it. And I think sometimes technical proficiencies provide a lot of fear into it because if you don't have that proficiency, it's hard to understand a lot of the explanations of it. And, and you eliminated that from this conversation. So like I said, I'm going to post out the information about the masterclass. We're definitely going to engage again. I, I've got some ideas that we can chat about after this, about how we can deeper dive into the network that is following us at Parabolus and myself. And and so we can make this conversation ongoing because I think what you're doing right now is extremely helpful to everyone that I engage with. And so I want to get you out in front of those people front and center so that they know how they can you know, take part in it as well. So thank you so much for your time today. No, thanks for having me, Teresa. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. And, and just a shameless plug, nothing like a little bit of LinkedIn stalking to help your network. I literally, that's how I found you. I watched right. you on someone else's podcast and was like, oh yeah, we need to get him on. And, and so this has worked out exactly the way that I had hoped. So I appreciate it very much. Oh, likewise, Teresa. Thanks for reaching out. Thanks of course. For Thank you again. And um, just shedding the light on a topic like this, that's very popular, but seemingly elusive for some of our listeners, I'm sure has been a great thing. So as always, we strive to bring everyone the best thought leaders and experts in the industry. So I hope you found today's conversation exciting and insightful. If you like what you heard, you can see this episode and all prior podcasts on our YouTube channel by the same name. And stay tuned for many more exciting conversations ahead this year as we take pride in leading the charge of sharing the very best with our audience. This is Spilling the Tea on GovCon, and I'm Teresa Moon. Thanks, everyone, and have a great day.